Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft on the full and new moon every month. In this episode, I talk to Margot, co-host of the Hearth and Hedge podcast. Margot talks about delving into the family practice, what advice she'd like to hear from Gandalf, and how maybe what we need sometimes is to be silent. As a reminder, it's Podbirth Month. Your Average Witch has turned a year old this month. You can check out the giveaway over on Instagram. I'm giving away three gift bags and one of my monthly Patreon spell boxes. The spell box was offered from a previous guest, the always wonderful Andrea of Appalachia. Be sure to go enter the giveaway and I'll be pulling a name out of random.org's hat on July 1st. Now let's get to the stories. Hi, Margo. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Would you please introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are and what you do and where they can find you? Okay. My name is Margot. I am the co-host of the Hearth and Hedge podcast with my good friend and coven sister, Amberly. You can listen to our podcast wherever you find your favorites. Um, we also have a website, thehearthandhedge.com, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook at The Hearth and Hedge. Uh, and we just discuss witchcraft um, in all its many facets. Uh, we come to each new episode topic based on what we're feeling um, and what we agree on. And there's not much more to it than that. One thing about our podcast, though, Amberly and I uh, have both been practicing for a very long time. And while I think it's really refreshing that there are so many really young voices representing the community on podcasts and on social media, I think it's good that some of us lifers are also here to share our own perspectives uh, and not only deliver those perspectives from a position of experience, but also as a way of showing that we're not all stuck in our ways and struggling to keep up with, you know, all the societal progress being made in the community. You know, a lot of us are actually fighting the good fight and saying to the younger people, yeah, you know, go burn that shit down to the ground because it wasn't working and we're here to help you make it something better. So also, we're not that old. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying that because there are so many voices that are very, very young. Um, but mainly, we really just want our podcast to be just a fun, you know, just as fun as it is informative and helpful. So if I had to pin down a mission, that would be it. Uh, learning is fun. How did your partnership come up about? Amberly, <laughs> She's fully responsible. <laughs> um, so I actually think I was really jonesing for a way to immerse myself a bit more in my practice um, with a project like this. I just didn't realize it until she approached me to come and co-host with her. So she started the Hearth and Hedge as um, a family project where it was going to primarily focus on the family dynamic from a witchcraft point of view. But it started to turn into something that she was mostly working on on her own. So she decided to switch gears and bring on a co-host. And one day she marcoed me and asked me if I was interested. And I <laughs> I don't think I even took fifth, like five minutes to respond um, with like a resounding yes because uh, I immediately knew that I wanted to do it. And I'm so glad that she thought of me. And then I said, yes. Me too. Yeah. I love that you two are working together. It's a lot of fun. What does it mean when you call yourself a witch? I think my using the title of witch helps dispel a lot of nonsensical stereotypes associated with the term. Um, and I don't think I'm alone here. You know, I'm a, a pretty typical member of society. I have a career, a husband, two dogs in our house. I consider myself a pretty level-headed person. I'm not like 
a space cadet who thinks there's a message being delivered by every animal that crosses my path or that I'm like favored by the gods because a leaf fell on me one time. Uh, And I'm also not living in like a musty, dark cat infested shack where I, you know, throw curses at everyone who looks at me sideways and I eat spiders. I'm also not like a love and light spiritual bypassing type, um, you know, who refuses to acknowledge that there are real problems in the world and with myself that need to be dealt with and that there's real darkness that needs to be addressed or even embraced to some extent. So, you know, all this is to say that like none of us as in witches, none of us fits into these like icky little boxes that society has constructed for us. And the more we use the term or take up the mantle rather, um, the more people will see that and, and hopefully become more accepting. I hope. So you don't eat spiders. Nah, not anymore. Okay. Can you introduce us to your your practice? Do you have any daily practice that you'll share? Um, yes, I do have a daily practice. And I'm one of those witches that thinks it's very, very important to stay in tune with your craft through a daily practice, um, like no matter how simple or elaborate it might be. Mine can be a little elaborate, though, to the point that I recently made myself a weekly schedule to work off of so I could stop going through candles and incense so quickly. That's just me, though. Some of us are crazy, meticulous planners, and some of us go with the flow. I plan. Um, So my practice consists uh, mostly of gratitude and veneration. It's offerings of water, black coffee, incense, and candles. It's saying prayers to ancestors, spirit allies, deities, and my patron, um, house and land spirits, the elements, etc. It's pulling a daily tarot or oracle card or both. And it's sitting quietly and just trying to listen. Sometimes it involves stepping outside for a bit. And sometimes if I'm pressed for time, I simply or simply I'm just not feeling it. I'll just do the fresh water and coffee. But I'm very heavily in- influenced by animism. So that can look like saying lots of prayers to spirits and tending to plants, or it can look like cussing out an inanimate object that's annoying me. (laughs) So do you have any family history with witchcraft, any childhood stories or anything like that? Yes. So that's an interesting one, because I actually um, definitely come from a lineage of witches. Both my grandmother and mother are witches, uh, but I didn't have any access to either of their, you know, types of witchcraft and like folk magic because they're both different growing up at all. So I had to find my own way there. My grandmother was a practitioner of Puerto Rican voodoo or the Sansei religion. But unfortunately, all I really know about that is what I've learned in books, which is not a lot when you consider the inner workings of communities like that you know, and what they're willing to put in a book. So I really don't know much about it at all. And I wasn't able to learn anything firsthand because when I was growing up, my mother and my very Catholic stepfather simply did not discuss the things in grandma's house that looked, you know, peculiar. And my mom, who um, I guess I would categorize her as a Catholic folk practitioner if I had to put a label on her, um, she at the time had allowed herself to be very influenced by my stepdad. So again, I was never given the opportunity to learn any of that either. I grew up occasionally seeing like a money bowl on a table. Um, and for a time, there was a statue of a Native American chief with a full headdress um, in our front entryway that my mom would offer a lit, cig- a lit cigar to. Um, but none of it was ever explained to me. Uh, I actually, as a teenager, would take a few puffs from that cigar and then put it back in his hand. And now in hindsight, I'm like, that was not a good idea. (laughs) But my mom, she even went as so far as to challenge me or or even like scold me a bit when she found Wicca books in my bedroom when I was a teenager. 
there was just like a lot that I didn't understand at the time. But looking back, I should have been like, well, what do you expect? I'm clearly a witch like you. This is what I've resorted to, you know? So anyway, unfortunately, my stepdad passed away uh, about six or seven years back. And after some time, my mom um, really re-embraced her folk practice. Um, but by the time that happened, I was already really established in my own practice. And I don't I don't really regret the way it all ended up because my practice is much, much more earth-based than hers. And I don't actually feel very comfortable in Christianity, let alone Catholicism. So um, it really all kind of worked out the best way for me. I relate to that. I, I, I definitely feel like I'm from Appalachia and I, I do Appalachian folk practices, but I definitely don't have any Bible, anything in my practice. Right. Same. And I hear so many of them talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's just not, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not like I feel like I can't or I shouldn't. I just don't necessarily, I'm just not necessarily comfortable with it. Yeah. I have no pull or draw whatsoever to go near that book. Same. I don't have one in my house, so I wouldn't even be able to. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say is your biggest motivator in your practice? Probably the self-work, bettering myself and bettering my life and influencing the people around me to try to do the same thing, not by preaching, but just by like living it. So much of witchcraft is self-work and you just have to be willing to trudge through some mud in order to get to some greener pastures every once in a while. But then you also have to realize that there's even more mud ahead and even greener pastures and be willing to just keep on doing the work. I love that. What do you most want out of your practice? Um, Phenomenal cosmic power. No. um, Me too. Yeah. I think I just want, honestly, in this day and age where our rights are being threatened and by the inability of the United States to just keep church and state separate. All I want is to be left the fuck alone to do what I want as long as I'm not hurting anybody. Like, I want evangelicals and alt-right asshole politicians to mind their own damn business. I just want everyone to live. the fuck out of our uterus? Yes, exactly. Just, I want everyone to just live and let live. All I, that's all I want is to be able to do it without fear that one day in the future I'm going to have to hide myself because it's starting to feel like that. What do you feel is your biggest struggle? Uh, meditation. <laughs> oh gosh, me too. I know that's like a simple answer, but it's it's so, so important. And I'm not going to say I suck at it because I know you get good by sucking at first and learning through that and just doing it. But it's my biggest, it's one of my biggest struggles. That and dealing with people who believe I'm just a crazy person who thinks they can fly. <laughs> I'm like, drugs. Flying ointment was just drugs, you twat waffle. None of us think we can fly. I think I'm a crazy person a lot of the time, though. (laughs) Yeah. Are you sure? You think this is going to work? Are you crazy? That's what I think. (laughs) You think you're going to get yourself a job with that freaking mint? Get get real. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever I, I used at the time. You know, whatever. Right. Speaking of that, <laughs> how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Amazing segue. Um, hey. I totally deal with self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Like if you don't stop in the middle of your practice from time to time and think, am I just a crazy person? Or if you don't hear one of your rich witchy friends like tell this amazing story of a full-on psychic experience and think, wow, am I a fraud? Like Macy. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. If you if that literally <laughs> never happens to you, then I don't know whether to be in awe of you or to avoid you completely because it's totally natural. And and so is having like ironclad confidence every once in a while. I think it's all part of the flow. Typically, when I'm really doubting myself, I use that as an opportunity to decide that there's still some things that I could learn. Um, and I either hit the books or try a new thing like ritual or spell work or divination. Or sometimes I'll just take a break and relax because it all depends where I feel called. But yeah, I, I I just find a hard time believing that there isn't a witch out there who deals with it on a regular basis. Who's made you feel like a poser? For me, it's Macy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's... Well, since this is too, too down a question, don't answer it. <laughs> no, no, no. Also going back to meditation because she's like a master meditator right? too. So that actually, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a loser whenever she tells these amazing <laughs> meditation stories. I know. She better not ever stop doing it just because we're saying this. Don't oh, I know. Stop. I, I still really, really enjoy it. It's still it's inspiring us. too. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to be a Patreon stories. bonus. I don't know if I'm going to show it. I don't want to make her feel bad that about she's good at something. <laughs> What brings you the most joy in your practice? I think it's that, you know, and going back to having, you know, going back and forth between self-doubt and and confidence. It's that that little bit of validation that does come, even if it comes rarely. Like, you know, it goes back to being stuck in self-doubt and imposter syndrome from time to time. But these experiences still come, like a, a spell going exactly how you planned or like a spirit reaching out, letting you know that your message was received or like a certain sentiment is being returned or like divination that's wildly on point. It's so good when those moments come. It's like like better than drugs. <laughs> I've never had, I just don't do divination. So I've never had that experience. Oh yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it'll even freak you out a little bit. And then after you're done getting freaked out, you're like, that was kind of awesome. I just let, <laughs> I let other people do that for me. Mm -hmm. What would you say you geek out about witch wise? So I know it's a little bit of a cliche or, or rather it has its problems, but I totally lose it over crystals, gems, and other minerals. <laughs> Uh, my husband actually re recently bought me this monster amethyst for my birthday, and I carry it around the house like some people would carry a small dog. <laughs> it's actually on my lap right now. Um, and I honestly don't understand why some people aren't into them. I'm like, look at this. It grew out of the earth just like a plant, but look at it. And it's maybe like a million years old. Look. <laughs> it's me. I'm, I, not, I'm not that into them. Oh, really? Ugh. Yeah. I like it's looking crazy. at them. But I mean, they're all right. <laughs> I'm petting my amethyst right now. Um, but I also geek out over tarot and oracle cards. Um, but I'm challenged because I have like, I've gotten to the point where I have too many between the crystals and the tarot and oracle cards. And like the animist that I am, I feel like they're just giving me side eye every time I walk in the house with something new and I need mm -hmm. to stop, stop buying things and start spending time with my little friends that I already have because they need my attention and my love. <laughs> I do that with, I do that. Yeah. I don't know what, what right offhand, what it is, probably cut stones really. But that's when you make, well, you know, that's when you give them away. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're like, Oh, you know, who might like you we, would make you a lovely home. <laughs> this Sorry, person over me. here who doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I appreciated you. I took you from wherever the, I got it, the store, or the trail I was on. I'm sorry to everything I've ever taken out of its home. Right. Yeah, I have a few that I took out of the river at Anahata's. And yes. at the time, I was exhilarated. And then I got them home and I was like, was that, was that fucked up? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Now I you're here you like in the here. desert. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did too, but I like to touch them and, and think about it. Yeah, exactly. Am I a bad person now? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> oh, stress. <laughs> Let's switch track a little bit. Okay. Do you feel like you owe anything to your listeners or followers? Nah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yes. I like that answer. <laughs> I, I I really do, though. And, and it can be a little scary because sometimes I actually feel an overwhelming sense of responsibility to say the right things with the right words or else I'll give the wrong impression. Part of it is a fear of cancel culture because that, that shit is real. But part of it is just knowing that like the, the spiritual aspect of someone's life is so, so important and I never want to make a negative impact. I really just want to get in and provide entertainment and information and food for thought and then get out before I fuck it up. Do you feel like social media affects your practice? Yeah, I try not to let it. I feel like I might have a little bit of an advantage though over a lot of people and I might be a little more desensitized than most because my work involves a lot of social media. And I don't mean the podcast, um, even though that also requires some social media activity as well. But I end up making my rounds like almost every day on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. <laughs> and that's really forced me to just not take it so seriously. I didn't you know every that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do for work. Hmm. Um, so every once in a while, I'll see some amazing content. And instead of thinking, why isn't my practice like that? I'm like, whoa, how can I do that? And I mean, like the quality of the content, not like the content itself. Yeah. You know, but you do pick up a few good tips here and there. And you also sometimes find something that's horrifyingly inaccurate. But I just wish more people would be able to take more things with a grain of salt and pay closer attention to the parts that matter. Um, because we can really affect positive change by influencing each other in positive ways. Now to jump off that, how do you feel like you use social media to affect other people? Well, I don't participate in any of the petty infighting for one thing, which I think there's too much of, because I think that there are really, really important fights going on. So I'm not going to get involved in a group of people getting all up in arms over a f an argument over whether or not to practice during the solar eclipse. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when there's another fight going on to, you know, try to call out and remove the alt-right from our community, you know, seriously. Think, yes. So I think um, even though that's, that basically means that I'm not doing much of anything. I don't want to make more noise in the places where it's unimportant, you know? Of yeah. course, I'll share share pretty pictures and you know books I got, and I'll like those things also. But I don't want to get involved in the petty arguments when there's really important fights going on. I'll get involved in those instead. That brings me to another question: What okay. is something you wish was discussed more in the witch community? It kind of goes back to having less 
um, like the power of silence and sacredness and when it's time to be loud. Like we don't need to share everything and post pictures of our altars and challenge everyone who practices differently than us on social media. Like, and we should treat some of these things as sacred and keep them to ourselves and save our energy for times when being loud and outspoken is entirely necessary. Like when our rights are being threatened and capitalism is allowed to run rampant in the community and the alt-right thinks it can take up space in our neighborhood, you know, otherwise we could do a little, we could do with a little more silence sometimes. Too much oversharing, maybe. To know, to will, to dare, and to be silent. Yes. And to be silent is earth, because now I'm going on on a geeky cha- tangent, which happens sometimes. <laughs> ooh, ooh, do follow that. That's that's me. I love earth. So that I sort of hear you saying things you don't particularly love about the witch community, but what do you love about it? I I I actually just love it so much, <laughs> uh, even though it has its problems. Um, I spent most of my life, um, as far as my practice goes, um, feeling pretty alone, just me and my books and my secrets, you know, and the fact that I am not alone and that there is a community, um, is just so incredible and heartwarming. And I have Waba and Anahata's purpose to thank for that because it's really been in the past year that I have, um, let myself enter into this community of like-minded people who are amazing and some of whom I consider, you know, I get to call friends now, uh, yourself included. Mm. And it's just amazing to feel that sense of loneliness just fall away and to really immerse myself in the community. How would you say witchcraft has changed your life? Or would you? Uh, I would. Um, it's given me something to lean on, uh, something to have faith in and focus on during times when like, I really desperately needed the support and the hope and the distraction. Um, because life wasn't seeming to go right. You know, I haven't always had the easiest life, but you know, who has, um, I've had struggles with family trauma. Um, I've dealt with my inability to build a family of my own because of fertility issues. uh, And in the past, so I never felt like church was the place for me and I'm not knocking people who feel at home in church, but it's just was never for me. So without my practice, I honestly have no idea how I would have been able to cope with some of the heartaches and struggles that I've encountered. Um, so it's really just helped me stay strong. It's helped me grow and it's helped me keep like cultivating, you know, my passion for life. And you got to meet everybody at Anahata's. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Which was awesome. <laughs> Would you say that your environment helped shape your practice? I don't actually know where you're from. I just know where you are now. Yes. So I was actually born in Massachusetts And, um, besides living in Puerto Rico for a very short time, I've been in New Jersey almost my whole life. So I'm very much a Northeasterner. Um, and I do try to work with the spirits of land, uh, where I live and I've gotten acquainted with like the trees on my property. I've tried to do my research on the Lanai Lenape because those are the natives in these parts in New Jersey. Um, so yeah, if I was picked up and plopped down in a completely different region, I would be a little bit lost for a little while. I love 
you know, being a short drive from the Atlantic Ocean and the Pine Barrens, shout out to the Jersey Devil, by the way, and an even shorter drive to Philadelphia, which has so much history. So yeah, I'd be a little lost, um, but I love exploring new places. I would definitely be hard pressed to find my footing as far as witchcraft goes in a completely different place. But, you know, I would just start doing more research and reaching out and just do the work, I guess. Do you celebrate any holidays or Sabbaths? And what is your favorite if you do? Uh, I celebrate all of it. I love the wheel of the year. So help me. I totally flow with it. I know some people don't love it because like Gerald Gardner was full of shit, I guess. Um, But I love hearing, I love having something to celebrate like every month and a half. And I love celebrating the change of the seasons and the harvests and the growth and decline of sunlight and warmth. So I'm down. I, you know, if I had to pick a favorite, I'd have to probably say both Samhain and Halloween. I love Halloween as silly as it might be. And I love Samhain on like a very spiritual level. You know, my daily practice consists of a ton of veneration of a lot of spirits and it's their time to, to really be the focus. Plus I love all things spooky. Uh, I totally revel in that time of year. Um, I'm not a fan of winter though. So that only reinforces that whole eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow. We may die type of energy, you know, and (laughs) but I love spring though. So the spring equinox, summer solstice and autumn equinoxes are a big deal for me. I got married on the summer solstice. I was going to do that. Yeah, it was, it was good. It felt good. (laughs) And we were on the beach and everything. Um, I'm curious about something. Have you read Temperance Alden's book? I have it. And I have read parts of it, but I have not read it from cover to cover yet. Um, you know, that's, I have probably over a hundred books uh, mm-hmm. that fall into that category, <laughs> but she is in the queue. <laughs> but I do also like Yule and Imbolc because they get me through the winter blues and they're great. So yeah, I love them all. Now in Temperance Alden's book, Year of the Witch, she talks about developing your own sort of seasons and mm-hmm. worship and etc. Do you also do that? Uh, yes. So I think it's just as important to do the research and learn the origins of these holidays um, as it is to develop your own traditions and maybe even move them around a little bit according to like the climate you live in. Like I was, I was actually just saying on a previous episode, we we were, we had a Beltane episode and I was saying to Amberly that I could create a holiday around how good the strawberries are in May. Yes. Yeah. And like, just have a strawberry festival instead of Beltane, you know? Um, and it, it depends on like what, what's in season around you and you know, how the weather is. I absolutely agree with like tweaking things to work for you. Yeah. I think we're going to have prickly pear season Oh, and monsoon. And then whenever I dig the sweet potatoes up. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. See, those can be total celebrations. I love that. Cause I love all of that. Absolutely. And I'll take any reason to celebrate. Cause I, 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 I think somebody asked me, well, what holidays do you do? And I was like, I don't do that, <laughs> but I do. It's just different. Not like official. Right. I forget. I, I don't consider them holidays. It's just things I do. So I don't know. 
it's a me thing. It's a me problem, not a them problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- these holidays, you know, from the wheel of the year came from just things that ancient people did. So. Yeah, but ancient people in England. <laughs> True. Hey, nothing like Arizona. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Who would you say are the three biggest influences on your practice? Or what? Who or what? Okay. What works better for me? <laughs> I guess one of them would have to be my cultural background, which is kind of a mixed bag. Even though I'm 100% Puerto Rican, I was raised by a very Italian stepdad. And, you know, in the last few years I've done, I've gone deeper and started looking into my ancestry, which led to uh, my interests in the Taino ancestry of basically all Puerto Ricans, as well as Spanish. And in my case, also Portuguese and the African um, areas. Ours is a very interesting and also like tragic equation. I hate to say it, but it kind of feels like I needed the permission um, to look deeper into these cultures, like by way of my genetic ancestry, but it is how I felt. So I started that. And then that led me down all these new avenues that I could do research on. Also, I would say books. Absolutely. Books, books, books. Um, I love to learn all the things and collect all the books while I do it, even though some of the books I've collected, I haven't read yet. I do have to be careful not to fall into the trap of becoming what's known as like an armchair witch, though. So I'll stop sometimes and make myself do the things uh, when I feel like it's been a while since I actually did. And I've just been hitting the books for too long. Uh, Like I'm reading Jason Miller's um, new book, Consorting with Spirits. And I can't wait to try some new things out from there. And the other one I I would say is, is animism. Like I have full on conversations and, you know, somebody might think I've lost my mind because I'm alone and talking to no one, but none of us are ever really alone in that sense. Um, At least I don't believe that. And I try to respect everything as if it had an opinion of my behavior and my actions could actually really impact it. Um, And you know what? I think a lot of people would actually benefit from thinking that way too. Who would you like to hear on the show answer questions like this? How about a witchy fiction author like Alice Hoffman? Oh my gosh. I adore her. I have loved so many of her books, especially the Practical Magic series that brought us like Jillian and Sally and Maria Owens and the Ants. Like that would be fun. Um, Also, Amy McKay, she wrote The Witches of New York, and I would be very surprised if she wasn't also a witch. In fact, I won't even be looking that up because learning otherwise would just be too upsetting. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, they do have to be a witch to be on here. At least. (laughs) I'm not actually sure. Let's let's talk some advice. What would you tell somebody just starting out? I would tell them to figure some things out for themselves uh, instead of spending a ton of time relying on the teachings of others, like to experiment and self-teach a little bit. It, It is really important to find good sources of information and guidance in the beginning, but it's also important to develop your own UPG a bit too. It's not easy to strike the perfect balance, but it's easy to give it a try. You know, I think that's important because a little discovery um, and even a few mistakes are some of the best teachers. Uh, I might also tell them to stay off of Twitter for a little while. (laughs) It's a hellscape. (laughs) Lord. (laughs) Now, if, if Gandalf were to materialize, 
or some other sage who you trust and believe in, what would you today right now like to hear from them? Oh, Gandalf. Or whoever. No, that was literally the perfect person. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think I would like him to answer your question about self-doubt and imposter syndrome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone would. It's just comforting to know that they might actually struggle a little bit and we can relate to them as long as they actually experience it from time to time or else I don't want to hear anything. Because if he's like, oh no, I'm I'm amazing, then that would be a real downer. <laughs> Get out right now, sir. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, we're at the time. Okay. Where I ask you to recommend something to the listeners. Anything um, at all. You should listen to the Hearth and Hedge podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Anytime people don't recommend their own thing when I'm like, recommend something, I want to yell at them. (laughs) I'm like, uh, the whole time I was saying, I was like, am I an asshole or am I going to do the right thing? That's why I ask it. (laughs) Okay. Partly. um, Also, also, I wanted the thing like, is there a new TV show I don't know about? (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. Well, The Hearth and Hedge comes out every other Monday. Except for our bonus episodes, which we call the Taurian Tirades, because we're both Tauruses. Um, Yes. Um, So that is when Amberly and I just sit and have a drink or three or four and just shoot the shit for however long. Uh, And those will immediately follow our Sabbath episodes. So they'll happen eight times a year. So basically eight times a year, we're a weekly podcast, if that makes any sense. As far as a new show goes... uh, doesn't have to be show it can be anything well i recommend you don't even have to or a snack. Actually, it can be anything. i actually recommend jason miller's new book consorting with spirits because i'm Ooh. loving it i'm loving it and if you want to get a little deeper on your spirit contact if that's a part of your craft then it is extremely helpful cool yeah also would you please tell me your favorite story to tell <laughs> I'm talking like you, you go and either like what's a good bunch of friends or you're like a family Thanksgiving, whatever holiday you hang out with people you actually like in your family and you tell the story and everybody laughs and, and everybody sort of knows the story because you tell you've told it before, but you love telling it. And so you tell it again. I wouldn't I want that story. Oh, OK. So. This one actually is a story that my husband and I tell all the time because when we were first um, dating, we decided to move in with each other and we found an apartment um, that fell through, but I had to leave my apartment. So I came to live with him at his father's house for what amounted to ended up being like three months. Uh, And his dad's house is haunted as hell haunted. So um, it's so funny because the people who ask for these stories have already heard them probably a million times, but Randy and I are always recounting all the spooky encounters at his dad's house. So we tell haunted tales about living at his dad's house all the time, all the time. It wasn't fun living it, but looking back and being nice and <laughs> yeah. far away from it as far That's as time is concerned. Story. <laughs> yeah. 
makes it fun to tell, but living it was not so fun. <laughs> so it was, it was actually really, really creepy. Like waking up in the middle of the night and just knowing that somebody was looming over you and watching you and just wanting to hide under the covers. Um, and, and we were really young, so don't judge him, but he had a metal futon <laughs> and, and I would wake up and I would get that really creepy feeling that somebody was standing over me and watching me and I would tuck my head under the covers and all of a sudden it would just be a loud ping in the middle of the night as if somebody just hit the frame with something metal really, no. really loud, really hard. And I would just tuck my feet in my head under the covers and try to go to sleep because it was so often and there was nothing we could do about it. Oh no. Yeah. Another time I was in the shower and someone clearly, very, very clearly walked in the bathroom, walked past me to the area where the sinks and the toilet were. And I turned, assuming that it couldn't be anybody in the house except Randy who would walk in. And I turned to say, hey, what's up? And there was nobody there. But like, you know, when somebody walks by you. You know the, I'm the shadow, sorry, sir, but that is unacceptable. You yeah. need to find a different bathroom to wash your ghost hands in. Exactly. Rude. I'm naked. <laughs> Go somewhere else or wait five minutes. Yeah. Another time we were. Yeah, it's completely unacceptable. Just pervy, rude ghost. Um, another time we were leaving to go on a trip with his family. Uh, we were all going down to hanging rock state park to go camping for a week and we were the last ones to leave. So the house was empty except for us. And we were just loading up our bags and, um, we stopped dead before we left, before we walked out the door because clear as day, heavy boots were walking down the hallway above us on the second floor. And if it wasn't for the fact that we had already experienced so many things, we definitely would have called the police because there was an intruder in the house. But instead, we both just looked at each other and shrugged and said, let's go. And we left and locked the door behind <laughs> us. <laughs> Whatever, Clarence, we're going on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Stomp all you want, sir. <laughs> have, a, have a ball. You know, don't have too crazy a party while we're gone. But it is funny because people always tell us to tell those stories, even though they've heard them many, many times. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. I really like <laughs> this excuse to talk to people from Anahatas. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> While we're here, anything you want to say about Anahatas? I saw you're now a, a mod on the page. Oh, yeah. I'm helping uh, helping Rachel out because there's this a lot lots and lots of questions um so she thought that some of the um some of the returning Anna Hotters I don't know what to call them <laughs> mm -hmm. some of the returning beans um could field some of the questions for her um and then you know save the more difficult questions for when she has the time so a couple of us have been on there answering questions and helping um helping new beans decide, you know, what to bring and what not to bring. Um, it's really exciting because it's, it's really blowing up. I saw that Sky Hill is already sold out. Yeah. Yeah. Camping That's and cabins. So exciting. And I'm so happy for her because, you know, this is something that she's been working towards for a long time and it's really all coming together and the people that come get so much out of it. It's just, everybody wins. So it's, it's beautiful and amazing. What is the one most important thing you recommend people bring? 
bring something to keep you warm at night because no matter how hot it feels during the day, you'll be surprised at how chilly you get at nighttime. I slept in two sleeping bags last year. What? (laughs) Yeah. Were you camping? Yeah, I was in a tent. Oh. And my tent is very ventilated. So That's good, though. Two sleeping bags. (laughs) Well, thank you for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. For coming on the show. It was a pleasure. And I will see you in September. Yes. So excited. Sorry, I just clapped in front of my microphone. I do that too. (laughs) Okay, bye. It's love letter time again. By the way, if you're new, I call it love letters because that's what Podcast calls it. And these were testimonials in a contest that got me $250 thanks to people who wrote these letters. So thanks to everyone who wrote. And they're anonymous, by the way. This person says, Kim is awesome. Well, thanks. (laughs) You're awesome, too. I love listening to her interviews, and her voice is so soothing. Her guests are so unique and have such interesting stories and viewpoints. She absolutely deserves this. Thank you for that vote of confidence, and I agree. My guests do have fascinating stories and wonderful viewpoints. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast. Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at YourAverageWitch.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review. You can review us on Amazon and Apple Podcasts, and now you can rate us on Spotify. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. To rate Your Average Witch on Spotify, click the home key, click on Your Average Witch Podcast, and then leave a rating. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash cleverkimscurios. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes. Moon changes.